This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to a very special episode of the Playlist Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Mike D'Angelo, and joining me on today's show is Editor-in-Chief of the Playlist, Rodrigo Perez, for a very special Marvel-centered discussion with one of the three authors of the new book, MCU, The Reign of Marvel Studios. That's writer, cultural critic, journalist, podcaster, extraordinaire Joanna Robinson, who you may know from her many podcasts over at The Ringer, her high-profile articles for Vanity Fair, her Game of Thrones nerddom, and now Marvel go-to expert. I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you've heard rumblings about this MCU book that's being passed around the industry like wildfire. Rodrigo recommended it to me. I've read it through. Rodrigo's read it twice. Uh, If you're a Marvel fan, a film business fan, a film history fan, it's a fascinating read filled with great tidbits that you couldn't necessarily get from the Marvel book set that Marvel and Disney put out a year or two ago. It's just less smoothed over, you know, history that shows how things were done and made across the mcu so go grab mcu the reign of marvel studios wherever you get your reading materials we talk about the book front to back with joanna we even kick off a bit of discussion with the marvels because she just saw that uh this week we miss the screenings but you know we get a little bit of reaction just to tease what's coming Before I shoot you over to the interview, I've got to tell you that the Playlist Podcast is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Playlist Podcast, Bingeworthy, Deep Focus, The Discourse, and more. We can be heard on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite shows. Be sure to subscribe and drop us a comment or a rating, as we do very much appreciate it. Or head on over to theplaylist.net for film and TV news, reviews, interviews, and more. Okay, here's Rodrigo and I sitting down with the marvelous Joanna Robinson. Where should we start? I I guess I I wanted to start like just quickly because you saw it last night, the Marvels, which we unfortunately both missed. And um, yeah, do you give us maybe just some of your uh, initial reactions on it? I was very nervous about it because of the way that 
Marvel handled the rollout of the press screenings because, yeah. you know, they showed it to us on a Tuesday before the, like, basically Thursday release, which was a little, as a much shorter window than they usually do. And they didn't even show it to the um, the Junketeers, like the press that was going to the Junket didn't even get yeah. to see the full movie. They saw like 20 minutes of it, I think. So um, I was quite worried about it, despite having been like optimistic about it leading up to it, because I thought the premise sounded very promising. And so I was so nervous. So you'll you'll understand me maybe grading on a bit of a curve, but I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it. I think Amon Vellani, who plays Kamala Khan, who plays Miss uh, Marvel, is just wonderful. She was so good on her show, and she's wonderful in this movie. And I think without her, the movie doesn't work at all. Because uh, oh there's a lot of like, I don't know, there's just like a lot of galactic interplanetary like <laughs> you're just gonna you sing know? the song <laughs> I, I mean, it's in the movie but like yeah it's it's just it's just a there's a lot of intergalactic gobbledygook in this movie and uh, there has been in a lot of you know they moved into this sort of galactic phase with the marvel movies like thor love and thunder and quantumania and you know all this sort of stuff uh guardians 3 to a certain extent and so you just feel like you're on green screen after green screen and surrounded by digital creatures and and all this sort of stuff that's going on. And so you can easily feel lost. But Amon Milani and uh, the whole Khan family, Kamala's parents and her brother are there throughout. And it's just this like warm heart and joyful celebration because both Amon Milani as an actress and a person and her character, Miss Marvel, are fans of like Captain Marvel and that just injects this you know delight into the movie and then you know they cut it down they pushed it back from the summer so they spent a lot of time sort of reshaping it since uh, uh, they had a bunch of extra months to work on it and uh, they cut it down to I think it's like what an hour and 30 and so it just moves moves really quickly it's really energetic it's really you know quite funny in parts and so you're just sort of like before you know it, it's over and you're like, oh, I had a, I had a pretty good time with that. That's how I feel about the Marvels. Yeah. That's, That's been the kind of, yeah, the, the basic gist of what a lot of people have been saying is it's pleasant, you know, yeah. it's nice. <laughs> yeah. um, let me jump in because I, I have read your book, obviously, and I've listened to a bunch of podcasts you've been on. I guess since some of the things that you said about Brie Larson and Captain Marvel, and maybe you even suggested it, how would you uh, frame, you know, I think... Brie Larson's character was a little rough around the edges in her earlier Marvel uh, installments. And I think that maybe annoyed some of the fandom menace sort of men or something. Mm. Has her (laughs) character tweaked at all? Has it changed? Is it like, I mean, purposely so. I mean, but somewhat, I don't want to say abrasive, but, you know, she's got attitude, right? Yeah, I think... This is something I like to say a lot, actually, in recent storytelling that I think some people, storytellers, forget, which is that there's nothing wrong with, like, a a brusque or stoic or abrasive character, you know, and, and certainly um, nothing wrong with women playing those characters. Yep. But you need to have some sort of energy to counterbalance it. And yes. in, in Captain Marvel... You know, Samuel Jackson there is there as Nick Fury, and he's always a delight to watch. But it's not, you know, he's got this sort of sardonic energy, and it doesn't quite balance it the way that I would say the like fizziness of Kamala Khan of of Amon Vellani bumping up against that stoicism. I don't actually think, you know, technically, yes, 
you do see Brie Larson smile more in this movie than you see her smile in her solo movie. Yeah. But I don't think you need to even really calibrate the stoicism of a character like that that much as long as you have energy that balances it. And this is true of, you know, we talk about this a lot. When we talk about Star Wars. When you have a character like Din Djarin, the Mandalorian, like he works so well because he's bouncing off a of Grogu, you know, mm -hmm. and and in in the most recent season of the mandalorian sorry i know you brought me here to talk about marvel not star wars but in the most recent season of the mandalorian grogu adorable little baby yoda grogu gets like mostly sidelined and it's it's the stoicism of din Djarin plus the stoicism of katie sackoff's character bo katan and that was driving me up the wall it's like you can't it drags, have, it drags the whole thing down you can't have two stoics in a scene like in scene after scene together like what am i watching and so i think that i i think about that a lot when i think about brie larson as carol dan versus captain marvel like i don't think there's anything wrong with that character you just need to put her in the right story and balance her with the right energy right mm. fair, fair enough so the book is great. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I've uh, I've basically read it twice. It's called MCU: The Reign of Marvel Studios. And just so the listeners know, it's written by you, Dave Gonzalez, who's a longtime online writer, and Gavin Edwards, who's an online writer and author. It's super interesting. It's really engaging. Even you know a lot of us know these stories, or at least you know journalists do. But that's okay. You know, it's it's um uh, it's still it's it's great the context and the it's laid out and everything. I'm jumping around a little bit, but you know, I've heard you on podcasts a lot and I enjoyed you guys talking about the stuff and you've described the last year of Marvel as the, the Marvel wobble. Yeah. And I think that's very accurate, but I'm wondering given that the book and, and some of the podcasts, and then all of a sudden it's like, we've got you at this perfect opportune moment because the book comes out and then what I call the Marvel TV reckoning moment happens, which is in your book. And then the variety piece hits. Mm. And then this Marvel Marvel's movie is, is set to potentially do maybe the reviews will change things. I, I doubt it given the tracking is kind of set. It's going to be one of the lowest grossing Marvel movies in a long, long time. So it's, my question is given all that's been happened since you've the book and the, the perfect timing of it all is the Marvel wobble becoming the Marvel buckle. Like is, is someone falling maybe to one knee? <laughs> um, I just think it's too early to count Marvel out, given like Definitely. how how much success they had for how long. If you want to identify the wobble as even starting post Endgame, yeah, um, that's only a couple of years, and there was a whole year without any Marvel movies after Endgame, right? So like you have Endgame 2019, you have a year without Marvel, it's 2020. Then we're in 2021, we're in the pandemic. Like there's just so much going on that I just, I don't know. I think it would be so silly to count them out right now. For sure, it, however. No, 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 I, I'm, I'm not I'm not pretending they're not in trouble right now. And certainly with public perception, certainly that variety piece um, like kind of took their knees out from under them uh, yeah. a bit right now. And I, I agree with you that I don't think the the Marvels is going to do well uh, at the box office, like relative to Marvel's previous success. And I don't think that the consensus, the critical consensus is like pretty good. But, you know, you know, like that's that's sort of where that's not going to save them. Right. Say. Yeah. That's this is not going to be the project that's going to turn anything around for them. But, you know, they've got some aces up their sleeves and the in the guise of the x-men or fantastic four these are huge ip nostalgia bombs that they have not deployed yet they still have a relationship with sony around spider-man they still have you know this 
upcoming project called Secret Wars that could potentially <laughs> give them a soft reboot. They haven't put out a movie with Avengers in the title, Avengers colon, whatever you prefer, since Endgame. We haven't seen an Avengers movie since Endgame. And so And we won't until like twenty twenty seven, right? That's pretty common though, right? They they didn't do those until every like four or five years or something. It wasn't that mm. much of a space in between. I don't think so. No. It really? was like I mean, if you count Captain America Civil War, which I think you kind of should as an event, yes, yeah. <laughs> then you were having them yes. every couple of years, you know? And so it's, um, I, I'm, I'm not trying to, you know, no one, at, I certainly, we certainly didn't win any friends at Marvel writing this movie, uh, writing this book. So like, uh, you know, no one at Marvel is paying me to say this or, or hype them up or anything like that. Right. I just think practically people are hanging crepe a little early on, on Marvel, but yeah. Their brand has taken a massive blow. And this idea that once upon for a while, if something said Marvel Studios in front of it, right, yeah. you you felt like you knew at least what the floor on the quality of that was, if not the ceiling, you knew what the floor was. And now we're down in like the sub basement levels on certain things like, you know, Secret Wars, I think was an embarrassing failure. For secret Marvel, invasion. Honestly. <laughs> oh, sorry, yeah. Secret Invasion. Thank you. Secret yeah. Invasion, I think was an embarrassing failure. And having just watched the Marvels, in which, you know, Nick Fury appears, that movie basically pretends Secret Invasion didn't happen at all, which is oh, great. kind of best case, best case, worst case scenario, right? It's best case because I don't think anyone should watch that show. I think it was terrible. But worst case, those of us who did watch it were like, God, why did we even bother, <laughs> you know? And so, yeah, it's it's such a fascinating time. What's funny about the book and talking about it right now is that originally, you know, we started this book 2019 when Endgame right. came out. So we started it like Marvel Ascendant, Marvel at the top of everything. And it was only at the beginning of this year of 2023 after, shortly after Quantumania came out, that I was like, hey guys, should we change the title from <laughs> Rise of Marvel Studios to Reign of Marvel? Like, let, can we make the title reflective of perhaps the moment we find ourselves in, which is more uncertainty than before? Um, so we workshopped a lot of different, you know, we were like, it's too much. Rise and fall is too much. But like rain kind of encapsulates this happened. Marvel reigned yeah. over Hollywood for a time. Will they do so again? Perhaps. But that, you know, that's where we are. That was sort of a rambling answer. I apologize. Yeah, no, no, no. I get you. And I'll just say to to be clear, I don't think Marvel's on the ropes. I just think we're at a this is an inflection point like this moment yes. for sure. Right. You One might say they are wobbling. One might. <laughs> and and <laughs> um, this inflection point. I mean, like, I think we can all agree this. Like if the Marvel's opens to anything less that, than any of the films did during the pandemic, which was supposed to be the excuse for those numbers, we're no longer in a pandemic. That That's a problem, right? Yeah, but at the same time, we're, and I say this with all the support of my heart for uh, SAG-AFTRA, we're in the middle right. of a strike. And so you mm -hmm. can't deploy the charisma bombs of your actors, uh, you know, namely Iman Vellani, like, in your promo for your movie, you know, you've got, you had a junket where it was Nia DaCosta and Mary Levanos and I don't know, one other person, you got an EP and a director, but you don't have any of your stars to, to promote your movie. And that was part of, uh, part of the problem of COVID is that you couldn't like, you know, you had Zoom interviews, which I conducted many and I am grateful for them, but like you didn't <laughs> have the full court press of, of the um, promo cycle around any of these projects. So. 
Yeah, I think they have like these four pillars that are like more sure things than they than a lot of their projects, which are like Deadpool 3, Captain America 4, X-Men, and Fantastic Four. If they mess up any of those, these sure things, I think that's really, really going to hurt them, especially Fantastic Four and X-Men. I definitely think they would agree with you on Fantastic Four. And, I mean, I would they would agree with you on all of them. But like, I think Fantastic Four and X-Men, they are being so slow and careful about how they uh, dole that out right that um and you know the rumors were that they were planning to announce the fantastic forecast at new york comic-con if they had had the actors you know available to do so so like rumor has it that 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 announcement is right around the corner um but they're being very careful with those properties because you know kevin they've had those properties for a little while and people have been at every turn begging Feige for some sort of announcement he's like I got nothing for you on this yet because they want to do it they know they have to do that correctly um I think Deadpool 3 is going to be fine because it's almost like a it's just such a different it's its own thing thing Captain America I'm a little worried about I will say I'm a little worried <laughs> yeah, just, a lot just of stuff going of, on there yeah and Falcon Falcon the Winter Soldier was was a real mixed bag for me so I'm just okay. like I'm a bit concerned about that movie but but I think you're right that it behooves them to to land the helicarrier on that one, but I don't know. I don't know that they will. We'll see. Yeah. It's just they've had they've had all these like quote unquote sure things like Doctor Strange 2 is gonna be amazing and Thor, you know, you never mind. Just think about Thor and then Thor didn't really hit with a lot of people and and you know, all these things one after another that just seem like such th- sure things put them on such uneasy I guess the wobble is thoroughly in place at that point. Yeah, um, I think I mean, what they would respond to that with, and again, they don't pay me to do their promo, but um, <laughs> lies. It's uh, <laughs> those movies made a ton of money, right? You right. know, um, and uh, Guardian, yeah, I would Guardians, argue the wobble yeah. doesn't start till this year because that's when the movies. Quantum Mania is really yeah, it was really exactly. a, a a real shocker, I think, for them eternally. Um, but then this year also had Guardians three, and Guardians three was critically, commercially. Uh, you know, fandom wise successful. I mean, it, it made less money than Guardians Two, which is not what you want from a sequel ever. But yeah. um, it still made a lot of money, and I think is sitting around four or five highest grossing film of the year. They don't have a number one this year, and they usually do. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, they're around four or five, which isn't like embarrassing. Yeah, I'm surprised uh, it actually did less, slightly less than Black Panther Two, which is yes. interesting because yeah. you know, I think. Uh, during the optimal conditions, Guardians three would have been finally would have hit the billion mark, right? It, yeah, it, maybe in a different era, like Something you know, now, like now COVID changed everything. But yeah. well, also the global box office is so different because we talk yeah. about this a, a bit in the book. And thank you again so much for reading it. But there's this whole <laughs> chapter, the Iron Man three chapter is also the China chapter, and so this idea right, of yeah. like what the Chinese box office did to get Marvel into that, you know billion with a B territory for a bunch of their movies is a much more complicated relationship than it was when everything was firing in all cylinders. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff that happened is it was Margot Marvel storytelling gets more reflective of American culture in 2021, 2022, 2023. Uh, they bump up again and again against uh, Chinese censorship. And, and so China not letting the Marvel movies into their country for a while really dings their ability to get there globally to the B, the billion. Yeah. And and those days may have just been affected by ev- by everything, right? Like COVID has just changed the whole picture. So Mike, I'm gonna jump to you and, and, and let you um, you know, go off on on wherever you want to go and somewhere about this book because there's so much 
richness and, and so many great chapters of everything. Yeah. I mean, you were very fair to Marvel. I think a lot of people in discussing this have been like pointing at some of the more, I guess, dramatic moments. It's not really drama. Um, but some of the things that are a little more headline grabbing when it comes to some of the things. But I feel like you delved into some of the more behind the scenes stuff. You didn't really go salacious. You didn't even touch on uh, like the Black Panther 2 stuff or the Doctor Strange 2 stuff. There was a lot of supposed drama that happened there. Is that because you didn't really want to hit that salacious tone or you didn't find enough corroboration when it came to like what's going on behind the scenes there? Did they really shut it down at that point? I think we wanted to be, as you say, very fair, mm -hmm. but also have our nose completely clean with everything that we were reporting. And so we wanted to make sure that we had everything sourced out and we couldn't, as you say, we could not source out some of those fiery rumors that we heard here, there and everywhere um, in the last <laughs> couple projects. What's also true to be really transparent with you is that, you know, we were, tr we were trying to wrap the book up yeah um a couple times a couple different times I and then things imagine, and yeah. things just kept happening you know what i mean so like when you know the, the news keeps using and i i we had never uh, gavin has written our co-author gavin has written many books dave and i had never written a book before i had only ever written like the closest i had to sort of a long lean on a story was a magazine cover story and so as stuff kept happening this year 2023 i was like guys we have to include this victoria alonso got fired we have to report this out like all the stuff that's going on and they're like joanna it's a book like at a certain point it's not going to be up to the date covering everything and i was like yeah but man we got it. we have to do victoria alonso right so i just spent like a couple of weeks frantically on the phone like calling every source i knew to try to get that story as as clear and clean as i could or the vfx conversations that we're having this year we wanted to make sure that those are reflected as well so there are some stories that we definitely chased and some more recent stories yeah that that i would say we didn't and not because okay. we were trying to be overly kind um mm -hmm. I think I thank you so much for saying we're fair. I hate to say like fair and balanced because that belongs to a, a company that I abhor. But like <laughs> I, I what we really we really did want to celebrate the things that Marvel had accomplished and also not tiptoe around the the things that were more problematic that had happened or the things that were just more human and realistic. Because you know, Marvel put out their own book a couple of years ago. Right. Of their, I have of their it story. downstairs. Yeah, I have it. I can, I'm looking at it right now. You know, like nice. I, I own it. It's a beautiful book. But as, as my colleague at The Ringer, Andy Greenwald, called it, he was like, the story of Marvel as written by Mickey Mouse. I mean, it wasn't written yeah. by Mickey Mouse. It was written by two wonderful journalists, including Tara Bennett, who I who I quite admire. But like it was commissioned by Marvel for Marvel by Marvel. And so it is just I heard we all we heard as we were doing our reporting that there was a version of that book that had much more of this sort of warts and all approach to Marvel. And then it went on Kevin Feige's desk and he said, Oh no, we're not putting, <laughs> we're not putting this out, you know? And so it was delayed a couple of years as they cleaned out a bunch of the stories that they didn't want out there. Um, and yeah, so, I had that thing pre-ordered for ages, right? It was supposed to come out forever. <laughs> and that's because they had to basically Tara and her co-author had to basically rewrite it. I do not envy them that task. Um, yeah. And so a lot of those stories wound up in, in our book. Um, and so we sort of, we sort of see them as complementary. Yeah, I don't know if I, Mike is dancing around this, but I'll, I'll say it yeah, as a space, as a safe space. Do you have like one story that 
that you couldn't report in the book that you thought would have been uh, like a, a fun sort of delicious little backstory to any film? Or can you not? Oh, I, 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 I mean, if I tell you, even though this feels like a safe space, just pals talking. Totally safe space. It, no one's recording then, this. Like, it will then go on Reddit and they will say, <laughs> Joanna <laughs> Robinson, you know, like, uh, I've been burned by this before. But I will say, I will say that there was one thing that someone told us that Kevin Feige said about someone. And Kevin Feige is so diplomatic and yeah. so kind and so, like, lovely. And he genuinely is. But someone just, like, pushed him to a brink and he said something. And I would have loved to have included that thing that he said because it just makes him look a little bit more human. Yeah. Um, and Was it we, Edward Norton? It, was, it wasn't. I mean, that Edward Norton <laughs> stuff is in there. It was someone else. But, like, but we couldn't get that on the record. We couldn't even get it on background. We couldn't get it. We couldn't get it. You know, the person told me it happened. I believe that it happened. I couldn't get it corroborated. I couldn't get it in there. And I was just like, I was really chasing that one. So I really, I, that, you know, that's something I do. I do lament didn't make it in. Do you think there's a possibility for like a second book or at this point now that Disney has read it, now that Feige has read it, is it just like, shut it down? I don't even know if Feige's read it. No, I, I told I told someone I know who used to work at Disney. Um, I was like, oh, I, I, you know, I don't think Feige's gonna read it. He's like, oh, Feige's gonna read it. I was yeah. like, oh, okay. And then I and then I started having nightmares about Kevin Feige reading it with like a red pen, saying like, well, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. But we have heard subsequently since the book was published that a bunch of people have told us who worked at Marvel and worked at Disney, like it's right. Everything that's in there is right. And so yeah. they're like, okay, thank God. That was that kept me up at night, honestly, for a really long time. I was like, I would be so embarrassed if I get something wrong and it makes it into this book. I mean, there's like a a typographical error here or there, but there's nothing like substantial that's wrong. Now that well, Disney's just ignoring it, which which honestly, I am like I heard that you know their their head of publicity was reading it, had a copy, was reading it, um, but no, they haven't said anything to us, and and uh, there's been no reprisal for me professionally you know in my day job i cover this stuff for my work i haven't been blocked from screeners i haven't been blocked from interviews like nothing there's been no you know repercussions for me from disney so i think they're just pretending it doesn't exist but should we try to do volume two i mean i don't know how they could do any worse than they already did because they already told everyone not to talk to us <laughs> so like i don't know what else they could yeah. Well, maybe don't don't tempt fate, Joanna. Who knows what yeah. Disney's capable of? But yeah, yeah. Which you can tell, like the first Iron Man, Iron Man Two, the Hulk. There's a lot of like stories to be had there because nobody technically works for Marvel at that point. Exactly. And you can talk to those people, exactly. but I'm sure like there's so much stuff that you just couldn't get corroborated because no one would talk to you. I mean, I'm really happy that we were able to get over 100 interviews and that. Uh, through my work at Vanity Fair, et cetera, I was able to talk to a bunch of actors and showrunners and Feige himself for several hours, you know, uh, when I did the Marvel cover story for Vanity Fair. So I felt like we we have all the voices you want to hear from are in the book. But sure. to your point, in those early Marvel films, they had yet to lock down sort of their internal team and so a lot of the people were, yeah, just contract workers and they were able to talk to us a bit more. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's true. But I, but I also kind of like that in the structure of the book. Maybe this is just going to sound like lip service, but like <laughs> I, I like that in the structure of the book that we get like really detailed into the making of those early movies because the everything kind of changed 
once the Marvel method locked into place. And once the Marvel yeah. method locks into place, it's much less about the individual artists and it's much more about the larger apparatus, which is then sort of the story we move into telling. And again, that sounds very convenient uh, to me to say like, well, it was, it's intentional. But, but I mean, what's true is that when Dave and I, before Gavin came on the project and Dave and I first outlined this book, we never planned to go sort of movie by movie. We wanted to go loose chronological. And basically what we did is we wrote down all the phases. We wrote down all the movies. And then we wrote down like the major stories we wanted to hit in all of those phases. Like, okay, this is a good space to talk about VFX. And this is a good space to talk about China. And this is a good, you know, we had all that stuff blocked out from the beginning. And it it wound up, the, uh, the only thing that's missing that was in our original outline is our DC chapter, uh, oh. which I wrote when I had COVID <laughs> and a, like a real bad COVID. And turns out that that was not a great chapter I wrote when I had COVID. And we were looking <laughs> at it. We were like, do we really need to take a whole chapter detour into what's going on at DC at this time? And it turns I mean, out that's its own book. Like, I mean, well, really. And so yeah, it turned out yeah. we could just sort of like strip out the essentials and sprinkle them throughout other chapters, what we wound up doing. So. Yeah. I got to yeah. say, I'm glad you didn't do that because it would, I think that would ultimately probably detract. You're telling a Marvel story and yeah, you don't want to get into yeah. like you. And, and, and it's great because you, you tell so much about related stuff anyhow, like, you know, uh, Fox movies and things that aren't necessarily the MCU and you touch upon it, but like to, you know, you're not doing the history of superheroes on screen because that's a whole other book too. Right. Yeah, exactly. I think at the end of the day, there's like a lot of different angles you could take on this story. And I wouldn't be surprised if someone comes out with another Marvel book in a couple of years. I would be 0% surprised about that. Especially like we wrote for the majority of the time that we wrote this, the Mar Marvel was presenting a united front. And, you know, Victoria Alonso got fired. She's mm -hmm. locked into some NDAs right now because of um, the settlement that she reached with them but eventually like i think as people leave the company there will be more stories to tell down the road i don't mean i don't mean to be like self whatever but but i am like i'm quite pleased with the story we were able to put together i was like throughout this whole thing i had people like you in mind you know you say like oh we knew a lot of these stories and that's true i was thinking about folks like you all the time like uh, people like me who know a lot of these stories already we've been covering this for a really long time and i was just again as i had these like sweaty late night nightmares uh, dreaming of kevin feige reading it i was also dreaming of reporters reading it um entertainment writers reading it and being like oh what so what else is new like we knew all this already but i think uh, there were en enough little stories that people didn't know that are in there and as you say i'm really happy with the way and i don't mean this is defensive i'm just saying like i'm really happy with the way when you lay it all out side by side it tells a journey in a way that i don't think anyone had quite laid out definitely uh, definitely i might even go as yeah. far as say it feels like you and it sounds like you didn't, but it almost feels like you said, you know what? I don't care what the inter report entertainment reporters. This isn't for them, and and I think that's a good thing. You know what I mean? Because you are not writing this for me, but it still works for me regardless. It's really entertaining, and it's really. <laughs> well, I, I I wanted you to enjoy. It. Well, I mean, like I I will say I was of the three of us. I was the one most often wailing this makes me all sound like a complete neurotic uh basket case throughout writing this but listen man book uh, writing a book is a journey um yeah. but i no, i yeah. was constantly I, saying like who 
who is this for? I was like, is this for the fans? Is this for the 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 skeptics, the cynics? Is this for uh, people who care about Hollywood histories? Is for people who care about like backroom business deals and contracts? Like, who is this for? And and what my co-authors and our lovely um you know editors kept coming back with is like it's kind of for everyone. And I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. okay. And and, and, and so, thread that needle. Way that's good. I don't think that that trying to get the most flies uh, hurts this book in any way. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, I'm curious what you think about the recently announced Marvel Spotlight for Echo. Fascinating, right? It's, yeah. it's, it's a real, it's a real wild, wild move because, on the one hand, I mean, because what they're doing with Echo is, uh, you know, when they originally announced that they were going to binge drop Echo over Thanksgiving oh. week, we were all like, oh, okay, they don't think it's very good and they just want to like drop it and bury it. Okay. Yeah, that's always um, good news. You know, like, uh, all right, you know, plenty of people drop and bury things that aren't working and, and better to drop and bury it than to drag it out week by week if it's if they don't think it's very good. Um, then they pushed it back into the new year and maybe, you know, they're they're tweaking it to to the point in the same vein that they tweak the Marvels where you get to it, where you get to a place of like, oh, it's, it's good, you know, like, oh, it's good mm-hmm. is is maybe as much as they can hope for. But now that they just announced that they put this Marvel spotlight branding on it and the the reasoning behind that um i think it was brad winterbaum who gave that interview is um like these are the the projects we're doing where you don't have to do all the homework where you can just watch this and you don't have to watch all of our films and all of our tv shows but as my co-author dave gonzalez likes to point out it's a pretty hilarious branding to put on something like echo which will include uh, Daredevil and Kingpin and it's a direct spinoff of Hawkeye like of all the projects for them to put that on and it's like a really wild choice like if they put on something like you know She-Hulk or you know like there's or Moon Knight Moon Knight might have been like a primo um, yeah. example uh, for that and it's and it's different than the branding that they put on something like Werewolf by Night where they called that a special presentation that was a different branding that they put on that and Werewolf by Night really did feel like something that you could come in completely cold and and it may never touch another Marvel project again and I what I like about this idea of them fracturing their branding a bit you know because they've announced we're hearing these rumors that Blade may be R-rated if Blade ever gets made. Blade may be R-rated. You know, Deadpool 3 is going to be a different rating. Like, fracturing who they're appealing to is a really brilliant move, I think, because they originally started with this, like, idea of appealing to four-quadrant audiences, right? With something that's family-friendly, but adults could enjoy, and we're telling one big story, which no one had ever quite done on that level and so this is the this is the the brilliant legacy of the the launch of the mcu but that is not necessarily a sustainable way of telling stories as the whole thing kind of cracks and groans under the weight of all of the movies that came before it and all the tv shows that they're having to put out so if indeed they have to meet this content machine demand from disney to add more fuel to the disney plus fire and so they're just you know creating show after show after show i think it makes sense to sort of start breaking up the brand a bit and giving us something you know i think echo is sort of a silly place to start it but the Marvel spotlight as a concept in the future, I think, is kind of a smart one. I think I would love to see more special presentations. I love Werewolf by Night. And yeah. I think it's one of the best things they've done post-Endgame. I don't care if it ever hooks up with anything in the larger Marvel universe, but that's also a great 
format to launch a character a new character that they're not sure about give us an hour well, you know yeah. it, it, don't you almost think that like some of the lesser successful disney plus shows which i would argue are many of them uh, maybe <laughs> they like maybe moon knight should have just been a a, a special presents you know 100% 100% another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help for your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Most of those Marvel shows, the main problem with them, you know, I might be a little higher on them than you are, but like, I will, I will agree that the main problem with a lot of them is that they fall apart at the end. Well, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's yeah. Off, like if you review them off a base of one or two episodes, pretty intriguing, pretty fun stuff. But then by the end of yeah. the totality of it, like, wow. Right. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like Miss Marvel is a great example of that, where I think like the first two episodes of Miss Marvel are like some of the most delightful things yeah. that Marvel's ever done. And then that show just completely, again, not because of Amon Vellani or anything like that, but like that show just sort of narrowly crumbles and it's because as both the you know the variety piece and previous some like thr reporting and our book outline they didn't know how to make television when yeah. kevin feige is given the keys to the tv side of things uh with the launch of disney plus and they were trying to learn from their head writers how to make television they're trying to disrupt television at the same time they're like oh we'll make tv the way that we make our movies but TV and there's, film are different mediums. You yeah, there's can't. an element of arrogance there, right? Like, well, just do it the Marvel, the Marvel way, right? Yeah, I. It is the one place where I do think you have to say there's hubris there. I yeah. do think so. Yeah, that and it's just it's, it's inarguable that it's stretched them too thin. Absolutely, uh, yeah. and I think what we learned in this book, this is something you know. To the earlier point of like, did we already know all these stories? Like, there's <laughs> some things about the Marvel method that I learned while reporting out this book. Like, when Craig Kyle, who's a longtime producer at Marvel and a good friend of Kevin Feige, told us a story about how Kevin Feige will tell directors to go make their movie, bring the pieces home. That's one of my favorite phrases in the whole book. Bring the pieces home. And then Feige will look at it. And he'll tell you what you're missing. You're missing this relationship. You're missing this action beat. You're missing this, that, and the other thing. And then they have the built-in window. People call it reshoots. It really is just additional photography. They always have a built-in window for reshoots. This is the Marvel method for movie making that works. But it has to go through the eye of the needle that is yes. Feige's creative sensibility. And you just can't shove, you can shove two to three movies a year through the eye of that needle, but you can't shove all the TV shows that they're now responsible for on top of that. And that comes from, that's an Iger mandate, right? Iger and then Chapek and now Iger again. That's a Disney corporate mandate for content. It's not Marvel saying we can do all of this for sure. It is their parent company telling them they have to help them win the the streaming wars. Well, it's funny because it's it it, it, it goes from, uh, Iger saying you have to win the streaming wars and and you know streaming is the future of television come on Disney Investors Day cut to summer I think earlier this year and then he and 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 you know it's almost like he's talking about somebody else oh god but totally. but he, he talks about that uh, Marvel plans to do less because um they diluted the brand with television 
the same television that he was made everybody like trot out on Disney <laughs> Investors Day in December 2020. And then you know peaced that? out. Yeah, exactly. His whole like, who who did this? Who started this fire? I'll help put it out. And when you're like, buddy, it was you is pretty hilarious. I think, um, have you seen the I Think You Should Leave sketch about the yes, hot yes, dog yes, car? Exactly that. Yeah, uh, who, exactly. Who, it's like, who, who we'll never know who, who yeah, caused this mean. crash, yeah, Bob yeah, Iger exactly. says. Yeah. Um, you know, and he is, he is kind of the king of spin, so you can't blame him for trying, but like, Iger has had a pretty rocky return to Disney, and, and all of that messiness comes you know we don't we don't get into it too much because there's plenty of uh smarter business people than than we are to talk about this but Iger's succession problem feeds into all of this Iger unwilling to find or train or really really confidently name a successor Chapik was a bad fit from the start yeah um to hand the legacy over to and then Iger comes back and it's just sort of like that Disney leadership is is so much messier than it was when Marvel was at its peak as well. So right. So following um, Iger's comments, do you think that is going to happen? I mean, I, I I suppose we are sort of seeing it. Like, do do you think we are going to get less Disney Plus? Absolutely. I think for both, that's true of both Lucasfilm and Marvel. Iger has this great quote in our book for an interview he gave us about how much brand matters almost more than the story and i don't think feige would agree with him but when Iger gave that interview and i think that was way back in like 2017 he gave that interview he was talking about you know he he was he like thanos was sort of like gloating about all the infinity stones that he had in his gauntlet and he's just (laughs) sort of like look you know if you put pixar in something if you put lucasfilm on something you put marvel studios on something people know what that means uh and that is hugely he's like that's hugely important and he knows that that is no longer the case with all three of those brands, actually, I would say. And the way that we consume stories has changed, you know, certainly post-pandemic, certainly it's a generational thing. So we're, we're never going to quite go back to the monoculture the way uh, that, you know, Marvel enjoyed at the beginning of its run. But I think that, I do think there's a way forward for them to sort of, uh, to to borrow, a, sorry, I don't know why I'm doing this. It's, 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 not even that early. I don't even have an excuse to say it, but I'm going to use a Jane Austen word and say like retrench, right? Just sort of like yeah. retrench and calm down, slow down, do less. The phrase I like to use when talking about like Star Wars and Marvel is make Marvel rare again, make Star Wars rare again, make it feel special, make yes. it feel like something that we can anticipate and 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 then also savor afterwards. But when you put us on the content treadmill and just go, 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 then these characters don't feel special because we're not savoring them the way that we once did Steve Rogers or Tony Stark, et cetera, et cetera. Right, mm-hmm. right. Um, there, so to that end, do you think, like, there's been a lot of talk of a lot of projects that were all the Wakanda series, Vision Quest, stuff like that. Do you think they're going to cut back on some of that stuff? Oh, 100%. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, you touched on, I think it was the Watch podcast, you said Wonder Man was potentially going to be scrapped. Can you expound upon that at all? That is just something that I heard. Um, nope, it's it's real. It's the truth. <laughs> it, is, it, is a, it is a thing that I heard. It is not in our book, so it did not go through rigorous fact check. But I will sure. say that I, I had heard about the Daredevil thing before the Daredevil thing was announced. You know what I mean? And sure. that's, that's, a, that's a recalibration for them. I think we're at a point now, we have to look back at some of the promises that Marvel made. Uh, yeah, I think we're going to see some of these TV shows go away. 
entirely. I think some of these teases at the end of movies, like Harry Styles uh, <laughs> showing up at the end of Eternals right. or right. Brett Goldstein showing up at the end of Thor, Love and Thunder. You uh, have but I'd love yourself. that. I mean, like, I, I would love that for you, number one Hercules fan. But like, you have to ask yourself, <laughs> like, is that ever going to happen? I don't know. Right. So the great thing about that and and the um, uh, special what are the, what are the whatever the werewolf by night is is you can First, come pick yeah. and choose right and what as we've seen like you know going back to the whole cast that's joining captain america it can happen like years later right like there's no kind of time limit on that kind of thing yeah i think I they mean, should take more advantage of the special presentation stuff with those kind of characters because totally. it gives them a low stakes yeah, option totally. to kind of see what works it's perfect and guess what marvel already did this with their remember their like one shot era when they would do yeah. like agent carter one shots yeah. or ben kingsley yeah. one shot you know like they they you know and and they liked the, the agent carter one shot was so popular that then they made you know yeah, a tv yeah. show out of it which yeah. was like delightful um you know when when it was good and so like <laughs> uh it's mostly delightful and so um I, I have been beating the drum since Werewolf by Night came out last year that like, yeah, I think almost everything should go. It's almost like, I mean, this is this is in, um I think it was the THR report on Daredevil, this idea of like, oh, we're going to start piloting things. We Oh, oh, turns out this idea of a pilot for a TV show is a good idea. We should maybe <laughs> do it. But uh, but a uh, special presentation is almost like a pilot, right? You could just like mm -hmm. make a pilot episode with Brett Goldstein as Hercules or, you know, whatever and see, do people like it? Is it working? What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? How can we go forward with this? And I, sh I should say, I said that Marvel Studios has done one shots. This is obviously in the comic book tradition as well. You know, you yeah, can have yeah. one shot one shot comics all the time. So um, Feige likes to say a lot that they take a lot of their lessons directly from the comics. And I think this is a particular a particular moment for them to reflect on the possibility of a one shot and also the way in which the comic book industry has dealt years and years again with these ideas of soft reboots when uh, or hard reboots, if you prefer, where the continuity starts to feel overbearing um, yeah. on, on the individual story you're trying to tell. In the book, I, I think it's well documented now. We don't need to probably get it too much, but you, you talked about some of your predictions for Secret Wars and stuff like that. And I think that's kind of well documented out there of, of what people think. I mean, I, I, you know, a lot of journalists think they're probably going to bring back Robert Downey or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, or they would like to. Yeah, right. right. But I wonder- <laughs> Got to back up the money my, truck. My bigger question is like, yeah, because we can all speculate that. that. That doesn't, you know, I think we all think that, that those are possibilities, you know, if financial things come together. But my question is what happens and what is the greater worry if like, okay, nostalgia becomes saving grace like you can't like you can't build a company like you know we've seen like their biggest things have been post endgame have been no way home right which is a big nostalgia throwback and then we have uh -huh. deadpool which sounds like it's going to be a very big and doctor strange has elements of that too and that's the second most successful and then you have deadpool which sounds it's going to be like a big 20th century fox marvel nostalgia thing and i'm wondering like are they going to be conditioning or inadvertently training audiences to be like, well, I'm just going to stick around for the one where I know all the cameos and all the other people are coming back and I'm not going to bother coming out for, you know, edition Shang-Chi number two, but I will go see, you know, Secret Wars when everything comes together. And anecdotally, my kids, to what you guys were suggesting earlier, my kids just keep saying, when are they going to do another Avengers film? Yep. You know, and yeah. they're not as yeah, exactly. We used to go see everything. And now... They're not as interested, you know, 
Well, I think there's there's different ways to do nostalgia. So like you can do it where it feels, you know, not, No Way Home was obviously a massive success for them. And, and I feel sort of mixed. I, I love Andrew Garfield and I quite like oh, Tobey Maguire. And he I, was wonderful in that. Like, yeah. There was, yeah, there was a lot that I liked, but also I understand the, I'll just pivot to say this. I think that when you look at something like The Flash and what they did with the ending of The Flash, which to me was almost ghoulishly embarrassing. Yeah. Um, the first bringing, ending worked better. Yeah. In bringing, you know, Nicolas Cage in or Clooney, et cetera, et cetera. That that's such a hollow IP play. The same way that Warner, Warner Brothers is is really good at that. Like Ready Player One feels like a hollow IP play, or or um, Space Jam, the most recent Space Jam. Like uh, look look at all the things we own, and we can just sort of mix and match them in here. That feels really empty to me. Versus something like using Tony Stark to launch Tom Holland's Spider-Man franchise, which they did initially, right? That's using the goodwill you have, a popularity and goodwill you have with character. Yeah, I don't start. even I wouldn't even consider that the same sort of nostalgia. I think that's very organic. Exactly. Well that's that's what I'm just saying. It's like that's that's using something you have to launch something else. And so I think that if they brought Tony Stark or Steve Rogers back, use them to help boost other characters that would be a really smart way to use the most powerful things that you have versus like us coming in a little cold to Shang-Chi. I mean, I like Shang-Chi, but like coming in cold and Ben Kingsley is our attachment point. Right, like that's right. not I guess, quite the same. I guess that know? begs the question is like how much and how long can you keep leaning back on, you know, these people who have left and when are well, you going to start creating your next generation? Well, I mean, they they're th- trying. They thought they had. Right. Yeah. When they when they cast Chadwick Boseman as T'Challa, that was the plan. Right. So that's 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 a carefully laid plan that didn't go the way that they wanted to. Tom Holland certainly is a successful seed that they planted and can sprout on his own. And Tom Holland could help introduce it. It becomes like a domino effect. Right. Mm-hmm. Tom Holland. I think you one could say that they used and I think successfully, though your mileage may vary. Scarlett Johansson as Black Widow to launch Florence Pew is Yelena Belova. I yeah. think Yelena Belova is a quite popular character. I think she's great. Yeah. That they're now hoping will help anchor Thunderbolts. 100%. But as someone you know? who's incredibly cynical about all this stuff, I would say <laughs> it's still an, that's an organic story. I don't love Black Widow, but I think it stands alone on its own. And I don't think the purpose of Black Widow is just to launch Yelena, as, as cynical as I am about well, so it. Yeah. I think no, it totally. Works. But you can do both. What I'm saying is, yes, like, yes. In, in an ideal world, you can do both. 100%. If you know, if I if I'm Feige and I'm like, okay, we're gonna bring back Downey, but we're not just gonna bring back Downey to like sh- show up and say I'm Iron Man or whatever. Like the uh, you know, that's not what we're gonna do. But we're gonna figure out how best to deploy him to help anchor and launch forward, right? Because they know they can't, you know, d- <laughs> just like time wise, yeah, they can't. You know, unless unless SAG after loses their you know, battle right now and they just want to like AI Tony Stark, which is one of the most depressing things I've ever heard in my entire life. But like there is a limit. I agree with you. There's a limit to nostalgia play. There's a limit to what you can do just by bringing back Downey. There's a, you know, there's a, there's yeah, a that's limit what I to mean. the, 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 in, in the audience limit, right? The, the audience yeah. tolerance. I, I think so. But I think, 
I mean, again, like maybe I'm just being too optimistic and hoping that the wobble means that the spinning top at the end of inception doesn't fall over but stays up. <laughs> like that, that you know, if you bring back Downey and he shows up and you use him to really cement some new characters, like you know, this, this, this. Okay, I'll just say this. I agree with you. That there's a difference between like Black Widow and and. Um, like a, a a blatant nostalgia play, but mm. the era post Endgame was so much about that torch passing idea. Let's bring in Kate Bishop under Hawkeye, and we'll use Clint. Bar- I mean, they they overestimated how much people care about Clint Barton, but we'll use Clint <laughs> Barton as Hawkeye <laughs> to launch Kate Bishop. You know, like that's what we'll do, and we'll use Paul Rudd as Scott Lang to launch Cassie Lang. Like that's that's what we'll do as we launch this new generation. That's what they've been trying to do, but the none of those roots go down far enough to really successfully launch a thing. Because what's Hawkeye and Scott Lang like were never what Tony Stark and Steve Rogers were. So. Well, then there's no through line. There's no where is this all going, you know? All these seeds that they're planting ultimately don't feel like they're heading towards each other. Like you sh- you would figure they're doing a Young Avengers with all these seeds they're planting with all those young heroes. Well, they kind of there's... are, right? Like they're loosely putting that stuff out there. They haven't tied it all together yet. Yeah, but I mean, it's just how long do we have to wait for it to make sense? Like you didn't have to wait this long before for things to feel more cohesive and i think that's just because they have so many plates spinning and you know all the or you used the train car kind of analogy in the book didn't you yeah yeah um well Mal- malcolm spellman showrunner of falcon winter soldier did yes that's yeah metaphor problem yeah. is to, to to expand everything that you want and i want and probably joanna wants is you need more train cars but they're pulling back right they're going to do less content and mm-hmm. so uh, yes, ideally, you do have a place where the young Avengers would meet before something or other. But it, the way things are lining out now, here's my biggest worry. And I think uh, I'm curious what you hear think about this, Joanna, is is that like, OK, so by the time you got to Infinity War, a lot of the dynamics had been established right between everybody. And this and Civil War is so important to that. I totally agree with you about about Avengers because that that breaks everybody. And so then you got a broken team. But uh, the way things are going now, it's like you need a civil war before you get to Kang Dynasty or Secret Wars. Otherwise, if you're going to throw in all these disparate people together, they barely have any history together and they have no – like civil war is so integral to the emotional yes. resonance of the Avengers to what everything that happens. Like in, Infinity War and Endgame are so good because of all the emotional stuff that happened in civil war. And I'm afraid totally. they don't have that. I think – I mean the Kang question is another – just big question mark (laughs) hanging over everything but i think that what you guys were saying about like we never had to wait this long before like i think we misremember the Mm. origins of marvels right because iron man comes out 2008 the first time we see thanos is in avengers 2012 so four years later right Mm. and he's barely in it and as you know, as we outlined in the book, it was really just like kind of a it wasn't the plan. Yeah, it was, it was like a, a joke for the audience that we didn't put in there. Right. Joss Whedon's like, let's put Thanos in there. So Thanos doesn't become like kind of me- more meaningful until Guardians of the Galaxy 2014. But what's interesting about Guardians of the Galaxy 2014 is that Marvel intentionally planned to keep that wholly separate just in case it didn't work. So Thanos shows up there, sure, but if Guardians didn't work, we might not have seen Thanos again. And mm-hmm. so it 
we misremember Thanos as being this like the Infinity Gauntlet and all of that and 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 the stones and Thanos as being this carefully laid track that felt purposely building towards. But that's not what that was, you know, Thanos <laughs> just sort of happened. They sort of retroactively made like the ether and Infinity Stone just to make it all feel like it cohered together. Mm-hmm. And then it felt like it worked. The problem is, is less timing and more. That was one tree, if you will, that they were planting and 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 sort of trying to train the branches. A uh, vine might be a better word for train the branches that they all sort of went in one direction. Right now, it kind of feels like they're trying to plant a whole, you know, a forest of vines. And I don't think it's all supposed to head. Well, I suppose maybe with uh, Secret Wars it was, but like, I don't know that it's all supposed to head in one direction. Like if you get a Young Avengers strain, is that supposed to be the same strain we're following as some of the other intergalactic things, as some of the multiversal stuff, as some of the, we don't, we don't know if we're all under one umbrella anymore, um, is the question. I think to something both of you have said, and I think it's the most important thing that Marvel really needs to make sure it does is make us emotionally invest in these characters. Yeah. That's that that's the only answer. And in order to emotionally invest, we need to be watching stories that we feel like matter. And um whether or not that means like we know exactly where it's going, it's more like it needs to feel like like I think Loki season one is an incredible season of television. And it all feels like it matters from start to finish. And even though we then had to wait until Loki season two to sort of like pick it up, that all feels like it matters. Secret Invasion, and I feel free to say this. I, I think I said this to you guys. I can't remember if I, how long have we been talking, on air or off air, but like Secret Invasion doesn't matter at all to the Marvels. Even yeah. though the Marvels theoretically takes place directly after and involves Nick Fury, it heavily involves Nick Fury, the star of Secret Invasion. Secret Invasion doesn't feel like it matters at all. So why did we watch it? You know, and and why did we waste our time watching a very bad season of television? You know, it, that's a bad look for Marvel. Absolutely. Stories that matter, characters we care about, and and all the rest will follow, I think. I agree. Uh, any other uh, future Marvel predictions or, or, or things of that you think is going to be happening either on television or film or just strategically of of what they do because i i do agree that yeah you nailed it there or at least maybe tying what we said is like they got to create an emotional through line here with this mm. big thing that that they're not doing and i think what surprised them in the origins is you know tony stark is this spine of the franchise um because downey is so enjoyable down is there for is tony stark is their first star character all sorts of stuff. His movies, his movies made more than anyone else's solo movies made, et cetera. But at a certain point, <laughs> Downey was so expensive that they couldn't make an Iron Man four. Yeah. And so then they pivot over to Steve and Steve Rogers becoming the sort of heart of the franchise is not something they planned from the start. They were just following what works, you know, because the Captain America the First Avengers is a fine movie. It's only because Winter Soldier hit so hard that Steve yeah. Rogers becomes what he becomes. And then you get Civil War, you know, and then all of a sudden it's like Steve matters so much to people yeah. because yeah. of the Steve and Bucky of it all, because of the Steve and Peggy of it all. Steve matters so much to people. The heart, right? It's the yeah, heart. it's the heart. It's the heart. And so I think if they were doing less, which I think is what they plan to do in the future, it'll be easier for them to identify those characters that they want to lean to. And I mean- Loki is a character that a lot of people care about right now. Um, and I think that um, 
I would I wouldn't put him in the Steve Rogers role, but like that's that's a character that deserved a second season of television. Um, and I think Hang is interesting because that was a performance they were following, right? As as we talk about in the book, when they put Kang, Jonathan Majors, in Loki season one, it was not their plan to make King Dynasty. Kang only became what he became because they enjoyed the performance so much. And they're like, this is going to be the guy. This is going to be the through line, the villainy through line going forward. But now they're at a tough spot because... The performance in Quantumania didn't land uh, the same way that the performance in the Loki finale, season one finale did. And Jonathan Majors is in a really tight spot uh, as well. So that was that was something that they, they were thought they were following that I think now, per that variety report, at least they feel like they're going to have to pivot. It's complicated. It's very complicated. It's interesting because, you know, in some ways, uh, you know, you got the multiverse. He's just all of a sudden, he's just played by a different character. Simple, you oh. know? But, I mean, that, I was shocked when I actually, not shocked is so dramatic, but like, I was very surprised that quote they got for Tatiana's variety piece when yes, yes. someone said, oh, they're fucked, right? But, and I was just sort of I, like, yeah, are yeah. you kidding me? Like, yeah. I could name you five actors um, that I would put in that role that I would be interested in seeing. And well, so it's just sort of like, everything's possible in the multiverse. They, they have, they've made it so easy on themselves because of the multiverse. So. Yeah, I mean, like, look, like Loki's played by Tom Hiddleston. He's also played by the person who plays Sylvie. He's also mm-hmm. like, there's, there's an alligator. Like, you know, yeah. we, we've already Richard said, well established. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well established that variants can be different people and be played. So that's simple enough. It's yeah. more about like, do they feel like they have to like turn tail if they if the Kang Dynasty title becomes something else? And they and you know they're talking about Doctor Doom, which seems like it's probably a a no-brainer at some point. Anyhow, I'm also curious, and and if you want to talk about it off the record, I'm just curious if if you want to talk about any uh, rumors or things that you've heard about upcoming films that that you might want. Like we've all heard the you know the the rumors of uh, Adam Driver and and Margot Robbie and stuff like that. I think I think a lot of the stuff didn't come together, but like I, I don't know how you feel about that or. I do enjoy talking to you this about this. Oh, thank you. I I enjoyed it as well. Yeah, I mean, I will say I I did. T- I'll, I'll I'll leave you with this. I didn't. I did talk to someone who was in talks among a million other people who were in talks early on for Fantastic Four, mm. and you know, a question that I asked them was, you know, were were they planning to make Kang the villain of that movie? Right. And they said no. That was never the plan, as far as they knew. Right. So um, a, a Doctor Doom pivot wouldn't surprise me. I right. guess is what I would right. say about that. So, and yeah. and let's face it, he's a fantastic board villain. He's a big Marvel villain at some point, if not now, you know maybe Secret Wars or at some other point, right? He's he's, right. he's the perfect. He's the he's the, the if you're looking for a, to pick a bunch of Thanoses uh, type, you know he's a he's an obvious example. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time, your extended time. I really appreciate it. Love the book. Um, we both love the book, and and uh, we encourage everybody to go out there and read it. And uh, yeah, best of success. Oh, I, I wanted to tee that uh, question mark Lucasfilm book, and and you know, uh, uh, I think that would be really cool. And uh, it, thank you. Know. We uh, we do have something coming. We can't announce it yet. We do have something coming, but I will. I guess I will say this: uh, we were not eager to get back into 
Disney's business. So yeah. uh, I mean, yeah. I would love to do something on Lucasfilm, but that would I think would probably be even harder than Marvel. I bet. Yeah, it might be. It might be. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, uh, great meeting you. Great talking to you. And uh, best of luck. And hope to see you around. Thanks so much. Okay. I really appreciate it. It was a great talk. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Bye.